Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Stag Roar. This episode is brought to you by our mates at Modern Pirate, 100% carbon neutral. Modern Pirate makes an amazing range of men's grooming products. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, then you've probably seen them in your quality barber shop. I've used the pomade in their matte clay paste to style what hair I have left. And their charcoal soap is the business. You can get 10% off every order by simply entering the code STAGROAR at checkout. That's lowercase S-T-A-G-R-O-A-R. Look good and support yet another quality Kiwi export that the Aussies are sure to claim as their own. Check them out at modernpirate.com.au. That code again is STAGROAR. Kia ora and welcome to episode 181 of the podcast. This episode we've got Stephen Nikolovsky back to talk about his uh, new and exciting ventures He's moved back to uh, the great smoke of Geelong from uh, Melbourne, um, away from all the lockdowns and things like that. And what he's doing is bloody inspiring. Um, he tells a hell of a yarn in this podcast, so sit tight for that. Um, but yeah, awesome human. I'm so, so charged after having this conversation with Steve. You know, it's Friday night, I was ready to go run up the peak or something. But um, yeah, absolute epic human uh, one of the things he posted last week was about uh, checking in with your um your counselor your your therapist which is nature and uh definitely absolutely loved my time this weekend up in the car workers as well as introducing it to somebody else um and yeah i think steve's on to something there about you know checking in with your therapist that is nature without further ado here's episode 181 steve nikolovsky bloody enjoy get in touch with both of us cheers Kia ora and welcome. Got Steve Nikolovsky back. Um, I messaged him the other day and I said I want to talk to you. Uh, talk to Steve, PC post COVID. Not that it's <laughs> over, not that it's over, mate. But geez, everyone's everyone's Pretty sick of it. <laughs> I mean, can you even be sick of it? Really? Like it's just yeah, it's on and on and on. It's a thing now. It's it's, it's a thing. It's a vibe. It's kind <laughs> of like before Christ and after Christ. It's like well, that's still technically happening, eh? Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, man. But mate, you've uh, shifted back to Geelong. You're uh, getting some interesting questions from your what do you call her? Your nonna? Uh, your, your nana? My baba. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Baba. Yeah. yeah. Baba how, I'm back home. Yeah. <laughs> how does uh, that sort of tweak your conditioning and and your um, newfound freedom and then the 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 two worlds collide like your um yeah conditioning versus what you've undone and then you're you're back back into the into the vibe the shape the thing that shaped you as, as a human in those uh formative years yes you, you know how to dive right into the trigger point right yeah <laughs> <laughs> far out yeah well um I guess for a bit of context like yeah moving down from Geelong uh, moving from Melbourne to Geelong uh is me moving back to my hometown which has been a long time coming and so yeah i've moved back in with family um it's it's been an interesting process i mean anyone who's grown up in a macedonian household or something similar to that you probably know how uh in each other's business everything can be um like yeah it's 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 definitely like everyone's talking everyone is up in each other's business and we're all pretty it's a small house it's an old house so it is quite comfortable let's say um 
I guess that I guess like when I was when I was still in Melbourne, I knew for a few months before I came here that I was going to be coming. And I was like, all right, I've I haven't been here for seven years. There's a lot's changed since then. And I was really, really threatened about like, am I going to have my own space? Am I going to actually be able to be my own person now? Because I've changed a lot as well. Like uh, talking to you about the type of subjects that we talk about isn't exactly the most common thing in this type of community. Um, so I was like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. And I was feeling really suffocated about that. But when I got here, it actually wasn't that bad. I was pretty happy to, I was just really grateful. I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed that I've got the opportunity to be able to come back here that I don't have to worry about stresses like having to pay for rent or anything like that like I'm actually a lot of people especially in western culture it's like oh you got to move out and you stay out and everything but for us it's kind of like well family live together family help each other out and this is just how it was very normal for them and it's kind of was pretty normal for me growing up having everybody living together so when I came back I'd forgotten about that aspect of, of just communal living and being in each other's business. And I actually really appreciated that, which I wasn't expecting. Um, especially in this world where we are isolated and we are forced to just do our own thing and go our own way. And loneliness has become the biggest killer on the mm-hmm. planet. How nice is it to actually have people around who do care so much about you that they are getting up in your grill about everything. Um, so that's kind of the, the attitude I took on board. Um, and that's not to say it's been easy. Actually, it hasn't been at all. <laughs> There's still a lot of, it is really annoying, but um, ultimately I'm, I'm just being grateful about it. I know it's, yeah, one day, I mean, things are going to move on. Either they're not going to be here or I'm not going to be here. Or life changes. One day I'm, I might not get this opportunity again. So for a while, while I got it, I'm trying to make the most of it. <clears throat> Mate, that's a awesome reframe. How isolated were you um, when it came to sort of stay indoors, don't go anywhere? Um, That'll be a couple of days and a couple of weeks later. How isolated were you then? Um, which time? That's happened a few times. Melbourne. sympathising with you a little bit at the moment, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. One time, both Definitely times. <laughs> yeah, nah. Nah, the isolation. Well, last time isolation, like when it was first happening, that was when I spoke to you last time. So it was yeah. just at the start of it all. Um, and so... It's happened a couple of times since then. Well, most of the isolation I copped in Melbourne. So Melbourne copped it really bad. Um, We were indoors for months. It was meant to be a few weeks and then extended, extended, extended. Pretty much towards the end of that second big lockdown was when I was was like, I'm out of here. So I moved back to Geelong. And dude, that was like coming to a whole nother planet because I'd been (laughs) in my room so long. I came here. No one's wearing masks anywhere because Geelong, it's a little bit more country town. No one gives a shit. So everyone's just walking around. No one's wearing masks. First thing I did was go to a pub with my brother and one of my best friends from Geelong. And I was like, I mean, it was a big homecoming for me. So this was like really weird anyway. But I walk into this pub and one, I'm walking into a pub. (laughs) That hasn't been a thing. Two, there's people here and they're mingling and they're socializing. Three, no one's wearing masks. Everyone's like, it was like nothing was going on. And that was the most bizarre thing that I, I'd experienced in a long time, just because I had been so isolated for so long. To them, an hour down the road, they it, it, they didn't even know what was going on. And for me, it was like, wow, people in Melbourne are still going through this right now. I'm just coming out of it. This is insane. Bit of a culture shock, really. Yeah. And like how it's amazing how quickly it is that we can sort of turn those ideas around on, our, on on ourselves like um 
it's quite funny for me when I have been to Auckland and you like see the masks and um, at Christmas time I've had to take a flight and sort of got to the airport area to you know drop the car off at the car park and then get on the minivan and the minivan was like wear mask wear a mask on the minivan I was like oh shit and then I was like oh a mask oh well and then yeah got to the got to the airport and of course before you jumped on the plane they gave you a mask I was like all right that's cool yeah I'd prepared for that and then got to Queenstown and it was just all of a sudden like as soon as you left the airport again it was just like ah don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. There's like there's like polar polar worlds, and then you know I, I haven't really watched the news and shit for a number of years. But yeah, the moment that you do sort of take in something that's going on in, in the UK or or the US, or you know, I listen to a number of different podcasts and you hear them talk about the situations, and and you know, even even in places like the US where everything's different, and it's just really bizarre and same with Australia like you see Melbourne City versus Greater Victoria versus the rest of Australia and you're like well that's that's strange and then even like how Sydney handled their little stuff up was kind of like escalating areas out from that little zone and hey it worked that time for the for them but yeah it's just just so weird all 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 the information always changes and New Zealand we know different you know get a little break outbreak and like oh no it was, it was sorted then two weeks later I was like oh no not quite sorted and then there's mm. been no, no more cases since i was kind of like oh, what, what how do you how do you even do this thing i don't and, and people you know you find yourself complaining and you're like actually shit i've got no idea stuff's having mm. that job here's something that job trying to decide what to do when man every decision you make could back, backfire on you or, or seem overkill you like, oh, this well, is all weird no one no one really knows but yet we have to act as if some people know and some people don't knowing very well that no one really knows um, it's like, well, you can't, like, no i don't buy that yeah <laughs> none yeah. of you fucking know none of us do nobody's who's writing anything really knows i don't know maybe they do maybe i'm just a real dummy as well to be honest i don't really pay much attention yeah like at all anymore did like it's really really weird like when it comes to being assertive in something like to have that role of say health minister or health advisor mm. and you know i don't know about you but even in my job which i've done for seven years i still have moments of imposter syndrome and especially when things things are new and so yeah so like one of those one of those jobs it's like man how do you how do you do that job and like what what's that person going through it must must be bizarre because <laughs> yeah if, if it's anything like my day today geez you must be going whoa what's happening <laughs> oh, why? for real for real yeah. and it would be tough i mean like down here i mean so many people hating on dan andrews all the time <laughs> um, and fair enough um i'm not I'm, I'm not big on politics like i never have been it's not too much of a fuss but when I when I would uh, a little bit earlier when I would watch stuff I'd be like I don't like what he's doing or anything but then he'd talk and he'd have a conversation I'm like yeah some of some of the things you're saying you're being a sneaky fuck but some of the things you're saying it's like I get it like you need to say that and he is being pretty like there were some qualities about him that I will actually respect that about him so it's not all black and white like dude you need to play your part and you need to say some things um I do feel I do feel like um and yeah, I'm not going to get too much into politics or anything, but like, I just feel as a, from a leadership front, I, I question that what, 
I just question what people think leadership is anymore. Because mm. we've got our leaders up there who are, who are our leaders, but they, like, you, you, it's not new that there's fuckery afoot when it comes to politics. Like, <laughs> before COVID, everyone was like, oh, I don't trust the government very much. That's just pretty you know politicians do lie you know it is kind of part of the role it's like if you're going to be in that game you're going to be playing by those rules and that's how you get by and that's what works and that's fine but i feel like leadership and politics are a very different thing I feel, just as the way i feel like being a leader or being a boss are very different things like they're not the same thing either i'd be so much more inclined right from the start of this to listen to every single rule about masks about lockdowns about everything if at the start of the sentence, all they said was like, look guys, this is the situation. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. We need to do something. We're going with this course of action. Might not be perfect. We might get some things wrong. We might get some things right, but this is what we're doing. We really hope that you guys get behind us and back us and we're gonna try and get through this. That to me feels like it's so much of a more inclusive and that's what a leader would say, as opposed to, well, no, this is the facts. This is the facts. You have to listen to us. And then someone's like, yeah, okay, what about these facts? Well, no, that's just a lie. Well, you can't, yeah. it's just, that's just not true. I can't listen to you when you say that. Yeah, you've, you've, so, yeah. you've, said the, you've said the word truth there. And um, when no one knows, it's then it, how can it be truth? It's just this kind of, kind of edu educated, ed educated guesses that like, they might end up being true, which is which is awesome. Yeah. And when you're on the receiving end of the information and there's a massive knowledge gap in the information, um, I don't know, it's like that balance between being skeptical and open and um, wanting to have some sovereignty over your decision-making, but then also um, feeling vulnerable because, again, there's a massive knowledge gap going on and, and you're kind of like, and that's where the, the sort of inter, internal turmoil and then escalating angst comes in because it's just like so many people confused and and, and that's what's creating a lot of fear. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you deal with deal with the fear as well. It's kind of like this the scale of things. Like you're 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 sort of demonstrating that at the moment. You like go back to this this family situation and it's kind of like well, here's our hierarchy and again that leadership thing. Like here's our hierarchy within our family and we can sort of fit into our zones and there's a little bit of push and pull going on. And as we all develop and mature, you know, perfect world sort of scenario type stuff, we can be a bit more fluid in, in, in what things are. But as, as a child, you know, you, you were looking up to your Baba and, and your parents and it was kind of like that were the authority. But then when you scale that out to population, you know, Melbourne city, oh. <laughs> Victoria, you're like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have a say in this, even though, you know, and there's plenty of people that like shouldn't have a say in that, but it's, it's still the same thing. Eh? It's, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a crazy observation of human nature eh? and how at scale shit just goes bananas. Well, get, well, it's, it's just shows how it, um, it shows the scale of what, what our internal worlds are like. I think that's what it is for me. It's more of a bit of a mirror. It's where, let me let me try and explain this a little bit clearer. <laughs> it's like, no, I kind of get you go with it though. Yeah, know what I'm saying? Like we've got if if that's the kind of leaders that we've got right now, the ones who can just openly lie because people are um, don't really know how to look into that fear or address that fear within themselves. So we have created an environment that produces this kind of a leader, and that's how we look up to. 
ultimately mm. that's what it is right that's what a democracy is it's a reflection on what's going on through the people so this isn't just melbourne or like auckland or whatever this is the, the whole world you look at the kind of leaders you look at trump you look at everybody that is a reflection of what's actually going on and now we can talk about that at scale but i like to look at it more on a micro thing as well because i think that that that's where the scaling starts from so how do you address that fear on a global on a, on a more scalable thing well it's going to be messy i think we're seeing it happen mm. <laughs> simple as that people are going to be confronted with their own shadows people are going to be confronted with confronted with their own shit and we've been seeing this happen for a year now and some people are going to thrive off that and some people are just going to close themselves off and and um just isolate themselves from the world and be good with it so I think it's more of a reflection on what really is going on. And I think, how do you confront with that fear? Well, I can think of a few ways. Um, you ever done an ice bath? Yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just on there, like you're saying, it's it, the sort of landscape that we've got right now is a reflection of us um, individually or collectively. And at the same token, it's, uh providing us with an opportunity and almost space to reflect back at ourselves how am i how am i handling handling this you know like you and i and a, and a bunch of people um through instagram sort of talk about this sort of sovereignty um type idea and sometimes that creates a real sort of selfishness thing because you need to sort of deconstruct your own ego and um that brings up internal fears that brings up internal conflicts and then if you do tweak some of those things that are that are your um characteristics your behavior your personality and then that shines a light on people close to you because they're used to you fitting into some sort of groove that creates right. some ter turmoil and uh, <laughs> it's that's that's where sort of the isolation and and uh time was sort of quite good because it gave you an opportunity, gave you space. But now that things, you know, some people might have worked through it, some people might have gone to their cave and, and uh, are now afraid to come out of. Now it's creating more conflict because there's new people, there's old people, there's people that have resorted to, to type. And as, again, like you said, it's all so messy. Uh, uh, it's got to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, 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 you know, you sort of have worked in this sort of health paradigm shifting um, sphere for the last couple of years, you know, being being at, um, at the gym and now being in touch with people like Dave and, and Mark Kluwer and now going back to Geelong and bringing that there and expose, you know, it's, it's Wim Hof's a household name now, generally. But what's it been like actually bringing that home community into the idea of right now we're going to act on this and now we're going to face whatever the fuck comes up <laughs> honestly man it's a dream come true awesome that's what it is. it's a dream come true um i like growing up in geelong I was all, I, I've, I've had a lot of different groups of friends and different experiences and everything. Like I've had a very kind of, um, I've had a lot of perspective growing up, which I think I've talked about in one of the earlier podcasts, but um, there was always an element of me. If you asked me what I want to be when I grow up, when I was younger, I, I never had an answer. 
So I could not tell you what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, when I ended up leaving Geelong, it's because I, I hit a point where I was like, all right, well, nothing, I finished uni and nothing appeals to me. Nothing is standing out for me. I don't know what the fuck I'm meant to do. So I might as well get out of, get out of this little uh, small town bubble and go open my mind up and see what the world's about a little bit. And so I got to Melbourne, which wasn't too far, but it was enough. Um, but there was always an element of me that was like most people here would, um, yeah, get a, get a typical kind of nine to five job or they'd become traders and none of that really fitted for me. So I always felt like I want to, I had a little story in the back of my head, which I didn't, wasn't really as profound back then as it was now, but there was always this story in the back of my head. And it went a little like, I'm going to leave Geelong. I'm going to go to the big city. I'm going to learn something that's really important. And I'm going to bring that back so that I can help the people down here. That's don't a know hero's what journey, man. <laughs> Literally the hero's journey. <laughs> I hadn't heard of Joseph Campbell back then. I had no idea what that was. But yeah, that's literally like that. Oh, that's how deep embedded it is, eh? It was yeah. it was deep in my psyche. I gotta go do this. <laughs> but um, yeah, so coming back was a little bit like I don't I didn't feel when I when I left Fifth Element and, and when I started going out on my own I didn't know exactly I didn't feel complete I didn't think I was done but at the same time I just knew I got to come back to Geelong there just there's been this calling for so long for wanting to come back and I'd stayed in Melbourne because there was good opportunities and I was learning from the best and I was hanging around the best and it was just amazing but I did want to come back and I came back and it's just been this really interesting dynamic change because it, for me, it was like Geelong's always a few years behind Melbourne, hmm. um, a little bit smaller, a little bit slower. So it'll, it always catches up eventually, but coming from what I'd experienced and the type of social groups I was around and the communities I was amongst, I saw a lot of that here. I saw a lot of people who had it inside of them, but I did see a lot of gaps. I felt like there's something that's not quite bringing my tribe of people together. Mm-hmm. And, and so as far as I was concerned, well, that's my duty to create this now. So, so that's, what we, that's what I started doing, basically. Um, me and my friend were just down at the beach every morning, just talking about life, being all sad with each other and talking about our problems. And we'd do a bit of breathing and we'd go for a swim. Uh, then it started to warm up. So I got one of those one-person ice baths off eBay. I was like, all right, let's start um, doing some ice now. So we started doing that. I did kind of, because I saw the void, I was like, oh man, ice baths would, like big group community ice baths would be really cool down here. I, I, I can see this happening eventually. Um, so that was in my head, but ultimately we just started inviting a couple more people so that the ice could be cheaper, so that we could continue to do ice baths without um, spending too much money. That was the essence of it. Mm. And then it's just grown, grown since then. Like now we've got this awesome community of people that are rocking up every single weekend. We're outdoors. Um, we do the breathing, we do the ice type of stuff, but we also do a lot of sharing. We also like to just talk about things, get into little groups, really be open and get vulnerable and, and, and go to those places, you know, like have those conversations and just network it with each other. And yeah, I think that's, that's really what it was about for me, man. It was like, what, 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 what do I know? What can I come? What can I bring here? What's not, what's here? What's not here for me? That's ultimately where I look at it. What's not here that I know ought to be here that I want. And if it's not here, well, then it's my responsibility to create it right now because I have been amongst this and I understand what's going on. That's basically where it's all happened. So I don't know whether that's actually the, if that's my hero's journey playing out, if that's the vision I had when I was younger, I'm not certain. Is this it? Is this good enough? Is this what I wanted to really bring back and help? But so far, 
so far it's what I've got and so far it's been great. Nice. So the sort of idea comes from filling a, a void. Is is that sort of your your pain, that 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 gap that gap in living at home? You know, the thing that's not there for your home? Like, Part of it, yes, and part of it, no. Like the part, I think it definitely is feeling a bit of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking to my therapist about this when it was happening because I was sort of like, I was very conflicted. I'm like, am I doing this because it's generally, it's genuinely I want a community and I want to meet people or am I just doing this in a selfish way so that I can have the spotlight and just be surrounded by friends that I can hang out with? That was sort of, I was sort of conflicted with that. And her response was that you, if we are doing something to fill some type of void, reality are if if it's happening and people are coming it's because people have a very similar void within them that's why people mm. are resonating with it. and so i thought well that is very true because i know very well that a lot of people are really isolated and really lacking connection and community in this ever connected social media socially distanced world. <laughs> i love that <laughs> ever connected socially distant social media world yeah, yeah. And, and it's like you know tribe eh? it's it's creating a new tribe and and last time we sort of spoke about that that lack of you know speaking things like hero's journey here you know that lack of um of passing through through the generations and it's kind of like now you you run into the 30s and you know people just look at myself like relations are falling down um i'm sort of a decent plane ride from from my family this weekend i'm missing out on on my younger brother dad and my grandmother's all having a birthday party in christchurch and you know missing out on that and my daughter's in pukekoe and i don't see her till next weekend and it's just kind of like fucking hell what 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 has happened to the world and and so there's this sort of conflict of actually steve you're probably in a really awesome place being back to the foundation, back to your your family, back to your, the soul um, of of your beginning of life, um, mm. and to then grow and create from there is is pretty pretty cool. Now you know life always everyone always has their challenges and always has their stories, but in, in terms of that aspect and, and the foundations of of what makes a good life, you know, there's like you said at the start there's a lot to be grateful in that and and i'm the same you know i've i've got so much to be grateful for um but you know mine's mine's sort of at an opposite parallel to you like i've got this career this this thing that i've wanted to do um and you know i've got a beautiful daughter and and she bring, brings me so much joy but at the same time there's this like con- connectivity which is what you fostered um, that missing of family, which is what what you've returned to, and so yeah, it's it's the world is a, a strange place, uh, like what you say, socially connected, socially distant society. It's amazing. It's, it sums it up, eh? <laughs> well, right, well, right. No surprises that we're talking to each other right now. Oh, then, through the Zoom, bro, across the freaking Tasman. Dude, I could hug you right now. I would. Man. Yeah, cheers, bro. But yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. So. Where, where's, where's people generally coming from? Like you said, people are working nine to fives or, or tradespeople. Like, where, where are they coming from? You're meeting on the Saturday, the Sunday. What's what's the vibe? Well, at the moment, it's just it's Saturday mornings we're doing. Um, yeah. We've played around a little different things, and I'm still experimenting. Like it is a um, 
yeah, Saturday mornings. I'm doing two now in Saturday mornings. So wow. it is a little more accessible for people. Um, yeah, big, big morning. Um, like it definitely takes a lot to facilitate this kind of space. Um, but it's, I mean, it's one of those things, eh? Like it's, if you love what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work, which is amazing. Um, back to your question though. There we've got chefs, we've got um, unemployed, we've got just regular nine to five people, we've got traders, we've got yoga teachers, we've got everyone, everyone. Mm -hmm. There's no boundaries, there's no, there's no kind of networks, people who, people who need this stuff. I think it's like you said, like Wim Hof's a very popular name and I'm not exactly doing specifically Wim Hof, um, but it's obviously very similar. Um, so people know that this ice bath thing's a thing, this breathing's a thing's a thing, this being in community thing is a thing. And so people are just coming and checking it out. There's young people, there's old people, like I've had people in their 60s coming down. Like There's just men, there's women, everybody. It started with, um, now that we're talking about it, it did start, yeah, this probably connects in with the pain a little bit. So, uh, it started on the beach like I was saying it was me and my best friend were just doing it together and for us we he he sort of shared a similar story growing up in Geelong and being around the same type of people I was with and having the similar experiences um and we'd always have had this conflict with, like when we left Geelong we'd always had this sort of love-hate relationship with it so whenever we would come back it was the way I, it felt to me is like I'd be walking in a graveyard like everywhere I went there was just ghosts it was really weird and so that was something that I was, when I came back, I was like, I really see a lot of opportunity in Geelong and I'm really happy to be back. But I also know a lot of my demons are down here. Mm. Uh, a lot of the issues why I used to just be so heavy into drinking and smoking and partying. A lot of just seeing my friends lose their way or die or whatever it might've been, you know, you know, the stories. And um, for us, it was really like, we need to find a way to repaint that right now because we're sitting on the beach watching a sunrise, breathing, doing some really healthy shit. We were like, there's people walking past and they're like, these guys are either really healthy or they're really psycho. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe both, maybe both. But for us, it was just like, well, the only time we would have been seeing a sunrise on that beach in the past when we lived here was when we hadn't slept yet for a couple of days. So it was a very different perspective and we weren't too sure, but ultimately that's what it was like. It was like, why does, why does Geelong have to be that place where it is just filled with like these, these daunting traumatic memories? Why can't we, like, we're not dead yet. We're still young. Why can't we repaint this? And why can't we do things that we want, that we needed when we were younger? Mm -hmm. Why can't we create this kind of environment and these kind of experiences that might've been helpful to us when we were here and we were that age? Because that didn't exist for there wasn't many other options other than going and partying and going to your mates' places and just whatever. So a lot of the initially when we started, it was a lot of people like sort of our age and a bit younger, or like mid-20s, who were sort of at that point where they're over partying, but they don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. Like, where do you go from here? How do you how do you transition out of that life? Uh, and yeah, that 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 was really interesting. We were getting a lot of those types. So instead of getting a hit necessarily from needing a drink they do the breathing and be like what the fuck was that that was incredible and then they jump in the ice and they get in that dopamine hit it's like all right they start to feel alive a little bit so yeah that that was really a big thing for us when we started it and that's kind of that was most of the people coming down and now we're just getting all types which is awesome 
So when people are rocking up, are they are they rocking up in a good mood? Is there that sort of nervous excitement, or are people sort of putting up a little bit of a veil? And and once that's gone, they're revealing their true state. Like, are there, are there some sort of heavy situations going on once once you're through you're through that initial beat and and nervousness? Yeah, like I mean, look, so far most people do come in nervous, and I say it's probably good because if you're not nervous, it means you are crazy. So <laughs> nerves are a good thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like it's like normal. It's a new experience, there's new people, you don't know what to expect. Um, I guess the con of being out in nature doing this kind of thing is that it is quite exposed. So you do have people walking past and jogging and all that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas if you did a session like this in a in a facility or somewhere close somewhere private um it, it does feel a lot more safer so there is that element of it like there is there is a few things going on but so far nobody's come to me and said that they had a horrible experience in fact it's so far it's been completely unanimously the opposite mm-hmm. so it's cool and in, yeah i will like a lot of people are definitely I'm seeing people change. They're like, they go through it and they're like, that was like, they want to be doing more of it. They got to deep places. They'll tell me about an experience they might've had or something that came up for them and just how they weren't expecting anything like that. And I I think it's really cool. I think the, I think the community really opens up the possibility for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And shout out to Dave O'Brien, because this is where I really learned that. Like he'd be doing breathwork sessions at Fifth Element or wherever and people would just be getting so into it and having the biggest releases. There'd be people crying and laughing and screaming and just going so, so deep. And what I learned from Dave, I don't know if he did this intentionally, but what I picked up is that he was so vulnerable when he was facilitating and talking and telling telling the stories. Like he really led and went there and went to the places that hurt him, Mm -hmm. which which essentially gives everybody else permission to go there as well. It, it creates that container. It's like, I'm, I'm, this sucks guys. And I feel it too. And I'm going to be honest about it. And I'm going to, however I feel about it, this is how I'm going to be. This is who I am. And this is just the reality of it. So it's one thing to tell people, this is a safe space. And this is the kind of experience that really can open you up emotionally, but to step in and to do it and to show them that creates something else. And I've done my best to do that as much as I can. And I'm still trying to do that as much as is necessary and as much as possible too, like without pushing it, I'm, I'm, I'm setting, I'm putting myself out there because I feel like that gives everyone else permission to do it. And now we've got a community of people who are open and who are supporting each other and who are going to those places. I definitely think that's the type of community we've started to foster now that we've started to create. Awesome. So like, um, even even with Worm, you know, he talk, talks about how the reason why he went back there is after losing his wife to suicide and feeling in a pr- pretty similar space himself. And he he knew that as a youngster, being in, like you keep talking about, being in nature helped him out, like being in the cold gave him this invigorating feeling. And, and luckily it, it saved him. And then he sort of, I don't know, he pushed, he pushed the boundaries and did all these incredible things and it was you know thankfully someone sort of tapped him on the shoulder and said how the hell are you doing this we'd like to find out and from there this whole um scientifically backed um meaningful thing has grown and and been around the world and it's been successful for him and it's meant that he can you know he has something that he can provide and share with the world and grow and then so then my first 
proper session was with Mark and, and Dino Gladson up in the Gold Coast. And, and again, you know, if, if you've heard Mark's stories, this big burly construction worker um, and Aaron Griffiths, the first time I spoke to him, sort of said he was lying right next to him. And he was like, bro, you're, you're ruining my experience. This big burly guy just started, you know, first yeah. session bawling his eyes out. And Mark Mark tells that, that story so well and, and the enthusiasm of the man um, and, and that's where him and Dino work in such such good tandem. You know, the the, the Bondi, Bondi Rescue um, lifeguard, who, who's you know the the, 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 the swim swim body and and, and just yeah. thoroughly geek, geeks out on, on all the sort of background, and then this guy that's just absolute passion and and you know he's oh, ripped, he gives he gives you a hug and you and you need to get another breath because he's knocked the wind out of you. And then yeah, he that's just breathing is just resuscitating you after his hugs. <laughs> then he gets, up, then he gets up the front and tells you that he, you know, the first time he ever did this, he, he bawled his eyes out. And you're going, oh shit, I'm in, I'm in for a, for a, um, for something here. And, and, and yeah, sure, sure enough, we did five rounds at, at that um, experience. And I think there was a good thirty odd people in in the room, and and we sort of blew the roof off the place. And I got to that place where I passed out and. Mark with his hand on my chest to try to bring me back around and I was getting massive hallucinations and and seeing um, sort of imagery of pyramids and and uh, kind of Hindui stuff and and then you know in a day sort of opened my eyes to a bearded man you know this sort of you know Jesus like imagery <laughs> um, oh, but, but yeah like, there, I know what you mean <laughs> yeah yeah Mark 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 is the real oh. Jesus reincarnated but um yeah and then oh, I, I I sort of post hoc analyzed what I what I saw as sort of um you're saying about trauma like a a shipwreck situation and, and that's where my ancestry sort of introduction to New Zealand was a as a shipwreck on, on New Year's Eve. Um and you know I sort of have taken that as, as a release of some sort of generational trauma, you know, that you know that's free. We don't we're safe now. We're we're safe mm-hmm. in this country. We're established as as a family. We'd you know my brothers and I, actually even both my parents have been to university. My brothers and I have been done professional um, degrees and working as professionals. So it's like now it's trying to build it and create that safety that there's no need no need to worry for anyone. Um, mm. And the same with myself. I, I don't need to worry. I don't need to be scared. It released a lot of fear um, mm. that things will be all right. And so it, you're right. It, it's just through breath you can create this fantastic story and when you've got a group of people together it's amazing what what sort of um places have you been or released or or whatever like since the winter here or just in general just in general mate where do you even begin look with that man i'm not even sure how to answer that right now It's, it's it's pretty it's pretty emotional way like some sometimes you'll you'll be doing it and you'll finish and you've got tears on your eyes and you're like what 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 did, what just happened there and but just but for the day for the day you'll feel you know light as anything it's almost like you've just got rid of that cape or that that thing that's on your shoulders and you don't even know what it is yeah man it's like some these things for me are always so hard to talk about because it is just such a feeling for me. Like I'm so, I'm so in the feelings and in the motions 
And at the time I'll have a story about it. And then the, ne the next week it's going to change and it's going to be something else. But there's been a few, there's been a few big experiences like with the breathing specifically, I might mm -hmm. run through a couple of them. So um, one time, one time when I did it with Mark and Asha and a bunch of other people were in Dalesford, uh, the art of heart, they called it. It was a big experience. And that was, um, that was just like, we did a few rounds and there was so many people in there. There was like, I don't know, 50, a hundred, something like that people in there. And I just went to this place where it was just all light, all colors, all love. Like I just felt completely love. I, was, I wasn't in my body. I was gone. And that was absolutely beautiful. I felt really, really good. And I was just like, yeah, this is just, this is just ease and pleasure and love. That was the last time I felt anything like that. After that, it was always pretty, for a couple of years, it was pretty tense. <laughs> uh, one time, <laughs> one time with Davo, I uh, did, I had my first DMT release, like proper, proper one. It was at fifth element and I was breathing and I literally just remember being gone I don't remember exactly what I was seeing, but there wasn't colors. It was all in grayscale, but it felt very psychedelic. Like I couldn't feel my body. I didn't know what was going on. All I could see was something that resembled the, um, what do you call it? The Statue of Liberty mm -hmm. and something that resembled the Eye of Sauron. If you ever watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was just in the background the whole time. And I've seen that so many times ever since, which is insanity. But that one was like, I sort of came to it and it was like, it was releasing a lot of like, oh, I don't know. It didn't feel comfortable. It felt really uncomfortable. I was like cradling myself and like ugh, figuring it all out. But it released something. And then I kept moving. And then that was actually just before last time I spoke to you, I was sort of going through a big fit of depression. And I had this LSD trip that was super, super deep and was releasing a lot of things in me. It was all kind of very off that off that all the weird stuff I've been feeling was coming off of that and I think ultimately I'll get back to it a little bit so the the most recent release I had was a few weeks ago when I was doing some breathing down at the beach and I actually had another DMT release but this time I came to it on the sand in the beach and there were 20 people around me they're all looking at me I'm thinking I came back to it and I'm like thinking, fuck, I, I last thing I need is you people around me right now. I'm just having a DMT release, but I don't know how to explain that to you. Yeah. So I'm trying, they're like, what? Oh, do you need a hand? Do you need a hand? And I'm trying to tell them, fuck off. I'm all good. It's it's fine. But I couldn't actually tell them this because I couldn't breathe. I was coughing and coughing and coughing and I couldn't get any air in my lungs. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Next minute, there were some paramedics nearby. They come over. I started coughing blood up everywhere all over Whoa. the beach everywhere i'm just like trying i'm still trying to tell them like it's good it will calm down in a minute like i do this all the time but blood's coming out i'm spitting blood out everywhere next minute i was in icu for the next 12 hours or so and i spent uh four nights four days or nights in hospital yeah so that was the most recent kind of release that i've had what what um, did they sort of think was had happened there they thought I was dying. Yeah. Like the the medics, it took them a while to convince me to go to hospital because I was just doing the stubborn male thing where I was just like, I'm not going. Mm. Um, but eventually, eventually they're like, uh, they convinced me it's a good idea. And then I got to the hospital and shit got pretty real for a minute. For a, re for a minute, I realized like how serious this was. Yeah. And I went through all the emotions of like, fuck, I'm just because I'm in, I'm in um, hospital now. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to make it out. Like it was pretty full on. But they so essentially they got in there they didn't know what the hell was going on they couldn't understand what triggered it or how it happened 
my results kept coming bad. Like my lungs were in horrible shape. I was hooked up to oxygen, breathing out of uh, breathing out of oxygen. And my kidneys were also going down too. So they were like, all right, if this is your lungs and your kidneys, this is like really bad. Yeah. So I was one of the most serious cases in ICU. I didn't even realize that, but like it was full on. Oh, and I'm yeah. just being smart ass, just, just flirting with nurses. <laughs> like I wasn't taking it seriously at all. Um, but I don't know. For me, it, I, I sort of did a lot of, I, I came to a lot of mental things. Like I did for a second kind of face my mortality and I had to come to that part of myself and be like, all right, well, what, like, I had to ask some of the hard questions. Like, what if you don't come out of this? What if this is actually serious? Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. How's, how's life been? Are you all right with that? Um, I won't get too much into that because that was pretty, pretty type personal stuff. But ultimately, the answer I came up with was, yeah, I did my best. I honestly did my best. And if this is how it's got to go, well, let's do it. So I was pretty good. I'm pretty happy that I experienced that because I always wondered what I'd be like at that moment. Um, but once that, once I kind of crossed that bridge, I, I just had this intuition. I just knew I'm going to be all right. Now it's going to, it's going to really hurt and be really painful for a while because every breath I took, I was literally coughing and it was like, I was in agony. It was so painful. But I also knew, well, if anyone's trained their mental toughness, uh, comp- uh, I've done a lot of that. So I can handle this, whatever it is, this is a mind over matter game. And so I knew whatever happens right now, I am going to recover. I'm going to get through this. So they kept on testing. They kept on trying to give me lots of drugs, which I didn't necessarily take um, and doing all this kind of testing, testing, doing this, doing that. Uh, the test kept coming back like I was getting better and better and better. And essentially by the end of the four days, they have no idea how one, how it happened or what happened. And they don't know how I recovered so quickly. Wow. Western That's... medicine has some blind spots. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I thought you were going to tell me the answer there of what happened, but no. shit. No. Technically, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like technically, I mean, there was a lot of blood vessels that popped in my lungs and my, that what they reckon is my lung somehow became like a vacuum and just soaked up all this blood. And then, yeah, but they don't, they can't explain the kidneys. They can't, they had all these theories. There was lots of theories that kept coming off and they kept trying, but as the re- results kept coming back and as we did more tests, we kept on proving that it can't be that at all. So they don't know. Um, so it was, it was really interesting. I mean, I got the, there were, there were also points where I was like a lot of the drugs and the medication I was that for starters, I had a good experience in hospital. They were really, really, um, like supportive of what I wanted and what I didn't want. Cause I don't, I don't like to go through pharmaceuticals unless it's an absolute necessity. Mm-hmm. And, um, they were really cooperative with that. They weren't trying to force anything on me. Um, I was in the COVID ward and had to do a test at one point and all of them there were just like, this is bullshit. Like we haven't had COVID in so long. It's not that fucking bad. Like, so that were all actually just like, uh, we just have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experiences with that were really good. Um, but there were points where I was really like, all right, well, at what point does me- does Western medicine be something where it is like, no, I should actually do this because it is the better thing to do right now. I hadn't really been confronted with that since I'd been into this alternative medicine kind of world. Well, what was um, what was the what were they trying to achieve with the medicines that they were giving you? Well, initially, were they trying to like, like coagulate, or were they, were they trying to stabilize stabilize you, or, or stop a, stop an immune reaction? What what were they, what were they trying to do? Yeah, initially it was things like panadols and like all that kind of physical stuff, which I'm just like, mm-hmm. I I don't mind pain, pain. I'll, it's a teacher, I'll get through it. But then there was a point. Um, 
in particular, when he was really worried, was there, there was a point where he thought this might be some kind of viral infection. And if it is, we need to get on top of it now rather than later, because if, it, if we wait too long, this, it can cause irreversible damage. That was his thought of thing. And so at that point, they wanted to give me some steroids and some immunosuppressants. Um, and that's when I was just like, I pushed it off for a while because I did feel like slowly, slowly I'm getting better. And I do believe I'm going to get better. Like my gut tells me that my mind can overcome this. I'm just going to Joe Dispenza this one. Um, (laughs) But then I was also there sitting like, well, maybe there was something in me. I I, I tend to be an extremist. I'm an Aries. I go through hard and things. I know this about my future. (laughs) That very well might've been why I'm in this mess in the first place. And so for me, it was sort of like, is me pushing away medicine right now, me just doing that? Am I just like being an Aries right now? Am I just being extreme in this? Um, so eventually I ended up having a little bit of it. Um, and it is what it is. Like, it's like, whatever it was, I can recover from it. I figured this is fine. And turned out it wasn't a viral infection. So yeah, it, 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 even that theory was wrong. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was an interesting thing. That just really tested my values. And um, I guess now I understand a little bit better. So what was um, the sort of follow-up that they want to do when uh, you're discharged? Well, the follow what was that? What was the follow-up? Do they, do they have some sort of follow-up or are you discharged? Well, at the time, they just kept on doing x-rays. I did CT scans. Like they kept on doing that bloods. Like they ripped so much blood out of me while I was there. Um, but like my kidneys just kept that were getting back to normal. My lungs looked like they were getting better. And eventually I got to a point where they're like, well, it's probably not a viral infection. So we don't need to keep giving you these immunosuppressants. And yeah, it just got to a point where it's like, well, everything's better. You're not at a point where we need to keep you in hospital anymore. I was breathing on my own again. Um, so like, we'll follow up in a few weeks and maybe just have another checkup and do some more tests. So, but other than that, uh, we, we have no idea what's going on, basically. Have you put that up on the um, Wim Hof Facebook page? <laughs> like, yeah, is it, you, you need to do that. You need to find out if this has happened to anybody else. <laughs> like, far <Yeah>. out. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. It was like, um, like I, I appreciated Western medicine because, like, without that oxygen, I would have been fucked. Like, it definitely, it definitely saved me to an extent. But it, it also has its blind spots, and this is where I was like, all right, now that I'm back and I'm alive and no one knows what's going on, it's probably time to go talk to the yogis. They've been this for a lot longer. Yeah. Shit. I've got some theories about it. Like, yeah, um, I'm definitely working through it, but I don't know, man. Like for me, it was just sort of like, it's, it it, it was, it, it was really just cemented the fact like, well, this is the path I'm on. Like if I'm getting to the extremes where I'm, I'm on this spiritual journey, I'm on this health journey, I'm on this journey of, becoming who I truly am and, and everything in between. Uh, this is a really serious fucking event to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like that's I, I, for me, it just really cemented like this. A lot of imposter syndrome was sort of like like there's you can't be imposter syndrome because people don't take things as far as you do. People haven't been breathing this consistently for how many for half a decade as much as you have and everything like this is your path. Don't, you're not you're not you're not going to you're not going to use that unit degree. You're not going to have that nine to five. <laughs> don't, don't even worry about it. This is what you're doing. And it was it, the whole time I was in there from the start to the end, I just knew this is just the teacher. If, mm. if I do make it through this, I, I, I'm here because this is a little bit woo woo, but my soul's here because it wants to learn something. Mm. So that's why I'm going through this. And I just hope that that's, that is a part of it. I feel like 
I feel different. I do feel different going through the experience. I feel like I've grown a lot. I feel like I've learned. I don't necessarily know everything, but it really did feel like a big purge. It felt like there was something dead in me that just needed to come out. <laughs> maybe all yeah. those, maybe all those darts and and and, and things that you yeah. blew up your nose back in the day. Maybe that was oh, them yeah. coming out. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. I, I'm not disputing that in the slightest. It yeah. was catch up time, and it was just like, all right, like you're not just tiptoeing in right now. We're doing this all at once. Fucking go. Yeah, I wonder if um, like you brought up Asher Beckman's name. Like, I wonder if like, mm. he he'll probably have. An, an idea a theory like um given given his uh blood, blood condition like wonder wonder what he'd have to say on the topic i gotta talk to him he's one of those dude, oh asha i don't know it'll, it'll be amazing if he hears this but like he's just one of those dudes i love him so much and respect him so much and i always feel like reaching out to him but i never actually make time to like just catch up like yeah he's one of those people like where i mean i love asha we're great friends but um, i yeah it's just interesting that you bring that up because I'm like, no, this is one of those people that I actually need to go talk to. I've been wanting to for a long time. So there you I'll go. take that as a sign, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. If you, if you are actually, listening. If you don't do this before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you hear this and I haven't reached out to you, then I'm not, um, I'm not being responsible. <laughs> there you go. There's a bit of a, bit of a push. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so like when you, when you sort of think, 30,000 feet of Geelong, you know, you got the cats there and it's like this elite team that did so well for so long. Is that like a vibe of this, of the city or it's just a bunch of imported people playing, playing for, for the town? <laughs> oh no, no. Geelong are absolute fanatics about Geelong. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, this town's crazy about it. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. The first, but there's, but there's, but there's, but there's like, there's like being a fan and being a, you know, absolutely fanatical about a team and then there's actually the eliteness that they freaking won the AFL a number of times and were just outrageous. You know, there's there's two mm. different there's two different sides of the, this. There's like the the fanaticism, which you know, there especially when you win the AFL and you're a small small town in, in Victoria, well, not a small town, oh, but small small, small city in Victoria. And then there's then there's like the elite level that it actually takes to do that. Like to those to those two things. And then there's the actually elite level of the team itself and the people involved to, to be able mm. to do that. Does that sort of flow down into the city that it's sort of, you know, we were, we are slash were the best. <laughs> we are the best. It says it in our uh, victory song. <laughs> we are the, top, the greatest team of all. Right. Huh? Good. Why would it be in our song if it wasn't true, Ryan? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Come on, mate. Move your head. Yeah. But like as the city, like what what's where does that show up? Like if you are the best, how does that show up as, as being true to yourself? Does it does that follow through? Interesting question. I haven't really thought about it, and now I'm just trying to think what ways it does. Um, I mean, in general, it's just like a very Geelong is a hard place to explain. Like if you're not from Geelong, even though it is a pretty big city, it has a very small town mentality if you've grown up here. Uh, and there's this thing that Geelong people like to do where they shit all over how shit Geelong is. But if you're not from Geelong, we, uh, we will fight to the death about how proud we are about this place and about how good it is. So that's all my experience with a footy has always been that element. It is the very just tribal thing. It is like, well, this is our team. This is something we can back and get around. It's, it's the colors. Um, what I'm hearing when you say that question kind of 
actually, I mean, I'm taking it a little bit personally again, in terms of what I see at it. Um, I like to take things personally. Um, I, Cause since it, it, yeah, I've always seen that side of it, the fanatical fan type side of it. And that's what I've always been a part of. And the rest of it's never really been, I guess it's a bit of a tall poppy thing, I guess. It's like, that's not us. That's someone else's business. We haven't really thought about it. Um, but now I'm back in Geelong. And like I said, I'm trying to rewrite these memories and I'm trying to flush out these ghosts and I'm trying to paint the town a whole new color. And I definitely am feeling that. Like, I think Geelong does have a lot of potential and a lot to be proud for. And I really want to see where this city can go. Like in my opinion, I, uh, and something that I'm feeling really passionate about right now is I would love it if Geelong became like the wellness capital of Victoria, if not Australia. I think it's got the potential to do that. We've got such a vibrating wellness scene. People are so into their health. We've got the beaches um, along the coast nearby. We've got the waterfront down there. Like it's got a lot of potential to really be a live city and, and a thriving city. And <clears throat> for me, I feel like that's where the future of it lies. I think in five, 10 years, Geelong can be absolutely be in terms of wellness and health, the hub, the place to be in Australia. So that's not exactly related to footy, but that's how I heard your question. That was, that was exactly right. Like um, in, in Southland where, I, and I guess that's where, where the sort of question comes from. In Southland where I'm from, we're like hugely parochial. Um, in, in netball, we're the, the greatest team for it. Like um, as a when it was a provincial competition, we won it every single year, and then it turned into a little bit of a franchise system. And again, despite different team, different setup, the team managed to win out for a number of years and, and be competitive for a number of years. And that's changed has changed again as as sort of professional sport does. And then same with same with rugby. Like the the reason I've got the nickname Stag is because we finally got this team together that went out there and won and shit did the, the town sort of just like all of a sudden turn into like holy cow we're the, we're the best like get out get out of here and then a bunch of guys I went to school with um ended up going to the olympics and, and being world champions and stuff like that and it's it's like well what's what's the what's the excuse like that that proves that it doesn't matter where you're from there, there is something that has to come from within you to be to be elite and so i guess that, that's kind of like shaped shaped my thinking and, and like whilst i might not be a world champion or be at the olympics i hope hope to to drive that and and that's that's kind of what why i sort of talk about this trying to get rid of the imposter syndrome trying to like get rid of these barriers that that are in front of me or these these sort of restrictions i place on myself and, and it was funny two podcasts ago my friend being like well you know elon musk what does he do what what why can't that be you and, and yeah straight away you just get this flood of limiting beliefs and you're like that's gnarly that's that's, that's gnarly the the programming and that's like kind of where we started wasn't it like this programming that you have on there the moment you like look at the example and then when you try to turn it back on yourself, that mirroring back on yourself, you just mm -hmm. you just hear it like flood over you, like but this, but this, but this, but this. And you're like, Fucking hell! <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously, it's there. We've all got it. Yeah, we've all got it. Yeah, no, nah, I think um, it it is an all internal thing. I think that's why the question confused me a little bit because I didn't I don't see sports as where as something that inspires people to become elite. I see it more as a 
it's a tribalism thing and we go watch the sport and it's my team kicking your team's ass and now we can all party and drink about it later. That's, yeah. that's how I viewed sports. Um, some of the most uh, impressive people I've ever met aren't people that necessarily played sports teams. A lot of them are too, don't get me wrong, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I, I, I mean, I was never that huge into sports anyway. For me, yeah. well, that was always the kind of thing. So I've learned um, how to get the best out of myself and uh, that, that hasn't been where my learning's taken place in sports fields or in sports environments. It has been outside of that. It's been through everyday life and it's been through just my experiences pushing my own limits. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. The conditioning part actually really, yeah, like I, I just remembered like how much I have noticed that part about being at home, like just how wired I am. I'm, I'm an optimist in general, but also the first things that go into my head are always just how everything can go wrong. Like yeah. um, it's been a superpower in my professional life because in business terms, I can um, play devil's advocate like nobody else. Um, which was like, it's, it's helped me in coaching now since I've started coaching too. It's incredible. I can like, I can look at the worst of every situation. I can look at all the, all the different types of, uh, I can just look at all the scenarios. Um, but in my personal life, it's definitely something where it's just like, uh, uh, the first thing that will come into my head is all the reasons why I shouldn't, all the reasons why I'm not good enough, all the reasons why this might be a bad idea. And I'm really noticing that like living, living with my bubba, who's from, who's from a whole nother world, who's mm. from a tiny little village, who's gone through, who's lived through world wars, like who's had come with nothing. Uh, it's been such a mirror to sort of say, oh, that's where I come from. And this is my conditioning. And now that I'm seeing it here and I'm a little bit wiser, I'm actually noticing that in myself, how I act that way. Mm. And it's, it's the dichotomy of it. Like you said about how in business it's such a good skill. And you hear Ray Dalio talk about red teaming. Um, the decisions he basically comes up with a position for investing and gets everybody in the room to tell him why it's a bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and you know they um, they try. You, you hear these people talk about steel manning the thing that you disagree with. Like, try try come up with all the reasons why what you disagree with is valid, and argue with yourself basically. And that, that's exactly what you're saying. But then when it comes the, the dichotomy of it is that can that can create this paralysis or or this hesitation and, and create a missed opportunity and and again the, that sports analogy of like the people that that are incredible uh, seem to be in this flow they're doing everything before everybody else they've they've got this high speed reactivity and it's they're uninhibited and so right. yeah like, like I was just saying that word that dichotomy of things is is pretty amazing. Mm, absolutely yeah well things can go both ways yeah and and so like you sort of gone from like hospitality to fitness to now you're looking at wellness and um your optimism as you're saying about was like this place on the coast near melbourne can be a hub you know like do you have a vision have you created a vision for it or is this something that's just sort of starting to bubble up inside you dude i can't stop having visions and ideas and, and things right now like that's the problem yeah <laughs> there's, there's too much so i'm just taking it one step at a time and sort of doing what's in front of me but i guess that is the um the 
just the the big hairy audacious goal like the kind of thing that inspires me the most is like i would love in 10 years time for geelong to just be an absolute center for for fitness for wellness for health for all the type of stuff that we're into Mm. um all the like i just i just want people to live strong healthy good lives i want people to um be resilient and to be able to overcome themselves and face their fears and start to set follow their hearts and set out and find their dreams achieve their dreams like i think i'm ah, fucking struggling to word myself that's how passionate i'm getting about it mate Mm -hmm. but yeah there is a part of me that is like i would love to see that i'd love to i'd love it if like the whole list the 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 great ocean road down here could have it a little bit of a byron bay kind of vibe like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's just not necessarily like byron bay but just that kind of portal where people can just drop in get healthy be authentic share and we can just live an alternative to how we've lived. Like I think COVID's really brought up for me that, and a lot of people that a lot of the systems we got in place aren't working. A lot of the ways that we're living these days isn't necessarily sustainable. We've got obesity. You're not allowed to say obesity anymore. If you're oh, I know. I saw that the other day. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Dr. Pratt put it up on his Instagram and I was just like, yeah, yeah. I had to to have a moment like, do not be triggered. I was like, I had clicked on comment (laughs) and I was just like, do not comment. Yeah. Like, there's there's nothing to be gained from reacting to this. And it it was almost like, um, Pratt was baiting anyone who, like, what? Like, he was, he was just putting it in your face, like, this, this shit. (laughs) <laughs> he's good like that isn't he yeah <laughs> oh shit well regardless whatever your fucking word is for it these days whatever you want to call it that's 60 percent of the nation now yeah that's a problem suicide rates are through the roof loneliness is through the roof all of these things like that we've got all these um all these diseases of lifestyle that uh, that don't need to be here and i'm just i i we're living off this inertia of this time that's just created this world that we're currently living in. And why? Like, that's just how our culture is. It, our culture dictates that we need to be drinking all the time and partying all the time and that you don't have to be obese if you are obese and that you can, we can, we, we've got ways of encouraging things that aren't necessarily the best way for us. And in COVID, I really seen an opportunity to change that, the whole, um, the new normal that kind of concept that's something that really stuck for me on a personal level COVID hit and for me it was a wake-up call to be like shit's hit the fan and you can have all the opinions you want but you're not in a situation where you can actually do anything about it go sort your shit out that's what that's the message I got and so that's what I've been working on since then but on a grander scale it's the roaring 20s right now (laughs) what about that yes I have yeah Mm, it's the roaring 20s did we talk about it last time? No, no, we didn't. Okay. But, yeah. Well, the last time, the last time it was the Roaring Twenties, it was post World War, um, and the, it was obviously very depressing times, and it was a lot of post flu. In the world. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of lot of rough stuff going on, but at the same time, it was one of the biggest cultural revolutions that happened at the at the start of that century. Like we got one example is out of the Roaring Twenties, we got speakeasies, speakeasy bars. So. <laughs> A lot of people know what they are, but that's like if you go to a really fancy bar that's got bookshelves and the lights dimmed and everyone's wearing suits and really fancy cocktails, that's where speakeasies came from because it also used to be the prohibition. And in the prohibition, alcohol was illegal, which meant it drove everybody underground to places where they could speak easy. And it created this kind of new culture, this new thing that never used to exist before. And that's flowed on through to this very day, it's still alive. 
So as far as I'm concerned, as bad as everything is and as rough as everything is, we've got a chance to rewrite culture right now. We've got a chance to flip everything that's creating these, uh, these horrible statistics and these horrible uh, depressing lives that we're living or a lot of people are experiencing. And we can, we can focus on building something new, something that's never been created for before. Like, yeah, it might be rough. It might be a bit of pressure, but as far as I'm concerned, if we are going to create a new normal and one that's going to serve us better, now's the time for us to do it. And it's by actually doing it that it's going to happen. So hence why I'm having ice baths on weekends. Here's something new that we're going to do. Hence, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to take a whole community of people that are inspired to do this, but that's where we're at. And so we we're talking about my vision. That's my vision. I want to rewrite culture. Work it. I love that. And mate, um, how good is it uh, knowing Mr. Mark Kluwer, um and seeing what he's built and created? Like, that's what I try to portray with this podcast is like, here's some examples. Like I was saying about with those guys I went to school with, they went to the Olympics and, and won world titles. Like, these are the examples that like things are possible. And mm-hmm. um this, this uh, construction worker that can ball his eyes out um, has created just a thing of beauty and and um, yeah, all, all the vibes you're saying about um, you know the good side of Byron Bay, like that that's the sort of thing that Byron Bay does have, and, and he's got that in the in the mountains of Victoria. Like, how good how good is it? Because it looks freaking good on on Instagram. And Dave said to me, like, mate, that, that's nothing. Kent has said that's nothing. Like, what, what's it like, bro? <laughs> nothing like it man it is fucking incredible like the land itself is powerful on its own um it's just for me it was like i had butterflies in my stomach because i've known mark since he was talking about it before he'd even bought the property and now to see that he's built it that he's created it with his own through hands and how it's come together and i've been there for a couple of events now it is like nothing else it's incredible like it's just when you when you when when somebody sets their heart out on something and it's and you see them actually accomplish it, it's inspiring, man. Oh it's yeah, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, when you can, you must check it out. Oh yeah, no, um, <laughs> open the bubble. Yeah, no, it's um, inspiring. Victoria is the going to be the place to be if you don't already know it. Like it is all <laughs> happening in Victoria. It's going to be like it's going to be like Byron and everything. But the thing is, down here it gets cold too. And you know we're all fans of cold therapy. Like it's not the the weather's not a problem in my opinion. It's your attitude towards the weather that's the problem. It's your ability to be able to handle that that's the problem. So it's going to be like Byron Bay, but like without all the wusses, maybe. <laughs> There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just wrong clothes. I think it's the uh, right. The, the right. Same. We're not enough ice bathing. <laughs> well, you're a pussy. Harden up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're being pussy. Being, being from the bottom of the world, eh? Like, um, when I used to live in Auckland, people were like, Oh, you, you're used to this. I'm like, No, 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 no. Cold is cold. You just wear the right clothes. Like, exactly. Yeah. Cold's always going to be cold, but that's why it's beautiful. Why yeah. would you want cold to be anything other than what it is? Yeah. And like, anybody that does an ice bath regularly, they don't like, oh, I love it. It's easy as I just jump in and I uh, feel nothing. Like, what would be the point then? Like, <laughs> it's, right, it's like, shit every single time. It's shit every single time. Like, I, I I start my morning with like I'm in the in under the shower rows, and I turn it on and go fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I get it every week. People are like, oh, you must do this all the time. This must be nothing for you. And I'm like, yeah, hold on until you guys are done and watch me get in. I'm going to be screaming more than you do. Yeah, it I'm sucks. Like, I'm going to do my big like. <sighs> Yeah. You can like get in there and like you breathe, breathe, breathe. 
you got to go through it, man. You're going to, and that, but yeah, that's that's exactly why we do it. That is the point of it. Yeah. So, if and, cold and, stopped being cold, I'd be I, I'd be devastated. Yeah, and I, I like that's what I've learned. Um, you know, not to any great extent, but talking to people who um, experienced ultra runners and you know Iron Man and stuff like that, they they sort of said to me, you know, how are you getting on? I was like, ah, oh, you know, but niggly and all that sort of stuff, and like, oh, I went on a run the other day, it wasn't hurt, but man. It was it was painful, and then they kind of go to you. Oh yeah, it always hurts. You just get faster, and you're like, oh, okay. So, I guess the hurt is part of, it, and it is part of it. That's like it's part of the achievement. Is like I pushed through that pain. I, I pushed, mm-hmm. and like I went back into the CrossFit class uh, two weeks ago, and, and I'm gonna gonna go back back to doing CrossFit. And I was just like that feeling of um, tasting blood, um, my heart rate just going crazy um being done lying on the ground making sweet angels i was like and, and my body shaking i was like i'm so crazy i love this feeling like I'm, i miss i miss this feeling like how weird how weird but it's it's, it's so good at the same time yeah <laughs> it's all a part of life like i'm just um I, I i really feel like people who shy away from that stuff like i mean everyone can live life how they want to be and it's nice to be comfortable but i'm, I'm a big fan of just of leaning into this discomfort because it is you, you're missing half of life without it. Like it is there, yeah. uh, and it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean it has to be the most enjoyable thing. But it is still a very real experience, and it means you're still alive to take another breath and actually feel with it and yeah. actually understand it. And that's you can you 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 can appreciate the beauty beauty out of that too if you give yourself a chance to. Like mm-hmm. it's just. I don't know. To me, it's almost like you're blocking yourself off to another level of love if you if you demonize these things and 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 curse them and cast them out. It's you're, you're limiting yourself. Like maybe you can learn how to love the beauty in something that seems so unlovable. Mm. Maybe maybe like Fifty Cent said, like joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for rain. <laughs> Shit, he's good. Um, and it's also like understandable because we all we all you know we all have our um, elements where we poo-poo something because um, we're scared of the change or we're scared that we might like it. Like it's, mm. you know, it, it's relatable. And, and just from us, it's it's that that doing these things is normal. So when people are kind of like, ah, this is rubbish, or well, what would you want to do that for? You can, you know, it's just the same thing, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 weird how our, our brain comes up with the excuses and, and tries to keep us in our groove. It, it, it's quite funny. Mm, yeah that's how we're wired but. yeah no um sweet man mm. what 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 is gonna um what is gonna keep you going that's what that's what i want to know steve what's what's gonna keep you going you've nearly died what's gonna keep you going <laughs> gosh you'd, you'd hope that would be enough <laughs> <laughs> isn't that bizarre you nearly die and then you've got to find a reason to keep going like yeah yeah the existential it is a little angst. bit yeah. <laughs> a little bit man i don't know like <laughs> like it just didn't really it didn't really feel like a near death experience to me until i realized it actually is yeah. and then it was really weird for me i don't know i'm a, i'm a little bit like memento mori i'm a bit obsessed with death anyway so as it was happening i think i just had this level of awareness to it it's almost like I've always wondered what I'd be like in this kind of a near-death situation. And I fucking it's crazy, but I was literally like a little bit like, 
I was just, I was so aware of the experience. Um, like the pain and everything of it. I was like, I just want to feel everything about this right now because I want to know who I am in this situation and, and, and what's going on. Um, what's going to keep me going? That just the excitement of that vision is keeping me going a lot. Like, I just think there's so much potential and so much opportunity. I feel like I'm at this point in my life. Like last time I spoke to you, I was definitely like crawling out of this bit of depression and I was a little bit lost. Um, I feel like now I've found myself a little bit more. Like I feel like I'm actually starting to become a bit more, a little bit more responsible, a little bit more. I think, I think it's just a little bit more grown up in that sense. And so that's making me understand just how powerful I actually am and how much I can accomplish and achieve um, doing setting out and doing uh, action is a big thing for me, like starting these ice baths and getting this community together and just seeing the results of what comes out of it. That's inspiring the shit out of me. Mm. Um, I think I'm just, I'm just in this fortunate position right now where it's like there, there are people hungry for these kind of things and I've had something to offer them. So that's been huge. And that's been, it's, it's been a different experience for me because every time I've been like when I've been at Fifth Element Wellness or something like that, I've always had everyone else to lean on too. Like Dave's been there. So I don't know something, go talk to Dave. He'll be able to figure it out. He'll be able to help you out or something else where here it's like, well, no, now I'm, I'm bringing this all and I'm very, I, I'm not, it's not that I'm bringing it all. Like everyone's obviously a part of it and doing something, but like here it sort of is like, I've only got myself to rely on. And I've been able to trust myself and rely on myself a bit more. And I've, I've proven that to myself now that I am very capable. And so that's driving me. That's exciting to me because I feel like that's something I've tried a lifetime to really overcome and understand. And I'm really, really excited to see what I can personally do and where I can go from it. I want to see what a Byron Bay down on the Great Ocean Road looks like. And yeah, man, I just, I just... <sighs> I'm just fucking terrified of going to that point where I'm in the hospital or whatever I am. And this time I'm not going out and there was things left undone. Mm. That's the worst feeling to me. I, I can't deal with that. Maybe that's both uh, powerful, inspiring and in real. And um, <clears throat> I love, I love that you brought up Memento Mori there. It's a, it's a awesome, awesome sort of, mind frame tool to appreciate every day bring us back to what we started off with with um appreciating and being uh, having some gratitude for where you are each day and um yeah that's bloody cool yeah. mate has been a wicked conversation steve uh, um, I, you know we said last time we'll, we'll do it in person soon but fuck <laughs> it'll happen it'll happen um right no no it's always, always a good conversation when i'm talking to you man it's yeah. fun. Good stuff, oh, mate. I'll press I'll press stop yeah. and um yeah, hope people loved it. Epic. Memento More. I've spoken about a few times that um appreciation awareness that this is all going to end. It's a bit macabre. But um but confronting. But it's also a good thing to consider and a way to live every day. That straight away reminds me of that Blind Spot song. Um, live every day as if it was your last, and every breath as if it was the same. 
Such a good song. <laughs> Who else was a big Blindspot fan back in the day? Still am, still am, still a fan of Blindspot. But um, yeah, I think I um, spun, spun that disc around in my uh, Transonic Discman hell of a few times back in the day. And I was a little bit of an angry teenager, wasn't I? <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, but yeah, that's what I try to do with my journal when I put 30... I always get this wrong. 33,000, which is about how many days we live on average. And 86,400 seconds in a day. There's plenty. Also, if you muck up one second... There's plenty more to go. So make the most of it. Use them wisely. That's the idea anyway. I love it how when I try to talk about this, I struggle to remember the actual numbers, but when I go into my journal, given they're there because I've written them all the time, but it just flows. I write the date, start again, those two numbers, and then obviously smash out the quote, which I've usually got prepared. Um, Tim Ferriss is a good source of moving quotes. Um, is Five Bullet Friday. Shit, I need to start one of those. <laughs> Mailing lists, they reckon. Um, and then, uh, of course, the gram. People like uh, Ryan Holiday, Daily Stoic, and the up 10,000 copycats that are out there. Um, yeah, Stoic philosophy is, is quite cool, and that's where bringing it all back. My mental Morai comes from, yeah, preparing for that death or near death as the case is with Stephen. Fascinating that they don't know what actually was going on. But anyway, those are the uh, the blind spots of... <laughs> blind spot. The blind spots of modern medicine. Hope you enjoyed this. We'd both love to hear from you. Always would love to hear from you. Um, also, if you're listening to this on your podcast and you're a regular listener, I see there's, there's a few out there who must be subscribed because we're publishing these things now and... Shoof, numbers go up fast thank you appreciate it um and if you're not subscribed that also helps <laughs> um it means that it also just gets there straight away into whatever platform you're listening to whether that be spotify whether that be apple whether that be google play you know all the things um yeah subscribing helps if you could just you know tap the five stars or one star if you think it's shit um and if you got another sort of five or ten seconds of those 86,400 leaving a review does wonders um we've done 181 of these bloody things and i think there's about three reviews in total <laughs> it'd be great um obviously i'll keep interviewing people because it's freaking cool um but yeah if you could do that that helps love it just like reaching out it's awesome it's awesome hearing from you Catch you next week. We have another episode for you. Um, and this has been episode 181 of the Stagger Roll. Cheers.